Welcome to Your Own Words, a podcast that celebrates the love of reading with real people and real books, both critically acclaimed and slated. Listeners are encouraged to read along and join the journey to the libraries of friends newly discovered. This podcast may contain spoilers, feminist rants, curse words and mispronunciations of names, cities and more. high we're still in isolation yeah it's been we're in the third week now is it only the third week it feels feels a lot longer and I feel like I started isolation later than you but I still feel like it's been forever (laughs) it's um yeah week three apparently coming up to Easter well once this comes out it will have just been Easter so we hope you all enjoyed your long weekends (laughs) you're you're Short weekend after long weekend. Everything yeah. is weekend. <laughs> Everything kind of well. <laughs> I'm still working day in, day out. But uh yeah, it is a bizarre way of working now. And uh yeah, the weather's getting nice, which is it making is it lovely. increasingly hard to stay inside. Yeah, it's very nice. I now only know what day it is because of the bin men, so I know that today is Thursday, but this is the first day that I've known in quite some time. So <laughs> thank you to the bin men for keeping our calendars in check. Yeah. And not also only... for taking them. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> they're they're doing more than more than one service for us right now. So <laughs> thank you. How has your reading been going? I a bit slow. I think like weirdly it's harder I'm finding it harder to concentrate on reading for some bizarre reason given that essentially for all you need for reading is the book <laughs> like it's not like that's been taken away from me but I'm finding it harder to make I think maybe it's finding the right time because normally I would read around other stuff that I was doing whereas now right. the thing that I'm doing is the reading <laughs> and yeah I'm just not focusing I'm, I'm a lot slower I was reading something this morning and I realized that I'm about half the speed I, I would normally be at reading so yeah I've been slow as well and I'm not I'm not certain why either. It's it seems seems like all I should be doing. I think I'm also sleeping a lot more than I used to. Yeah. I'm like going to bed at nine and ten. Yeah, which I don't I don't understand why. <laughs> I'm very tired. <laughs> I feel tired all of the time. I have no idea why I'm so tired, but I I'm good first thing in the morning. I get a couple of hours burst, and then it's like yep. ten o'clock, and I'm like, oh my god, it's bedtime already. I'm so sleepy, and it really really isn't. There's like 12 hours left of day to go <laughs> so yeah. I don't really know what that's about I've turned into a cat uh, oh well well at least this podcast is keeping us honest we do have to read at least it's good some. to have a purpose in life I currently feel like I have none and I don't know where to find one <laughs> and what I realize is that a lot of life prior to lockdown was about either existing within or searching for purpose and now I can't do either of those things (laughs) so I'm like I'm basically sludge I'm getting very envious of those people that seem to be like really thriving right now like my friend I don't believe that it's true no, I think it is. I've had like firsthand accounts. My friend Emma, she's like, I get up in the morning, I spend some time on the yoga mat, I do this, I do that, then I like cook this food and I'm just like, oh, and then I go cycle and I'm just like, I have all this time and I haven't even like hung a picture in my house that I'm really excited to hang. Yeah, but like I'm not one of those 
doing people anyway. Like, I'm not one for whom doing is a big part of my nature. So in a world where doing is possible, I don't achieve that. So in a world where doing is limited, I achieve it even less. And I think that is fine. I think it's absolutely okay right now not to do anything, but maybe get out of bed, get dressed and sit. I think that's Agreed. totally fine. Like we, it's really easy to think like, oh, we've got all this time on our hands. We're in the house and we can do stuff. It's like, you can also do absolutely nothing. Yeah. Like we live in a really fucking weird time. No one knows what is going on. All those usual things that you build your life upon don't exist. And it's okay to not really know what to do with yourself as a result that's like Mm -hmm. it's great also if you're someone that's like hyper achieving and getting loads done and actually feel really fueled by this for some reason but it's also fine if you're the exact opposite and are just like today I want different dungarees either way (laughs) (laughs) well on that note uh shall we discuss this very uplifting um (laughs) read that we are chatting to our guest about today it's a cheery little number yeah do you know what when I'm feeling down what I I always want to lift me is holocaust memoir um it just holocaust suicide memoir holocaust old people's suicide memoir yeah yeah this takes all the boxes literally all (laughs) of the sad strings of our heart are being played and broken right now with this book This is also one of two Holocaust books in the, the next upcoming episode. Yeah, we're super Holocaust at the moment, aren't we? <laughs> so I will start by introducing the author, who is German, and I will probably butcher her name, even though I did try to figure it out. So, Joanna Adoyan is a Danish-German journalist and writer who was born in Stockholm and grew up in Munich, where she studied theater and opera direction at the Bavarian Theater Academy August Everding. She has been working as a journalist since 1994. Her first novel, An Exclusive Love, was published in 2009 and has been translated into 18 languages. Her collection of stories from Berlin, titled My 500 Best Friends, was published in 2013. I, I couldn't find much more about her, um, so she's a, she's a bit of a mysterious one, but she's, she's written some lovely words, and apparently a lot of her writing is in German, so it was <laughs> harder to find some like English factoids, but... <laughs> that's what I got do you want to tell us about uh, today's happy happy times book <laughs> yes um Johanna Ariane's grandparents were unconventionally elegant and endlessly exotic they survived the holocaust fled Budapest during the uprising of 1956 and lived a glamorous mysterious life in Denmark their pasts never discussed even with the family an exclusive love is Adia's poignant and loving reconstruction of what may have happened on the day of their deaths when she was 20. Investigating the rich and surprising story of their lives, she reveals the compromises they made and risks they took and what it meant for her own family. This memoir tells of a couple's extravagant devotion to each other and their granddaughter's later discovery of complex personalities, long-buried family secrets and why they ultimately decided together to take their own lives. So today's guest, her name is Sarah Louise. She is a copywriter from Glasgow, Scotland. Uh, She's been writing for a living for six years and for fun her whole life. She'll read anything, but she especially loves memoir, experimental prose, and poetry. Sarah Louise, welcome to your own words. We're so excited to have you. Hi. Thank you. It's so nice to be here, finally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've put this off a few times. You'd think like... In the time of isolation, we would have nothing else to do. But first, we 
we pushed it aside and then you pushed it aside and now we're finally yeah. not in the same room together. So it's nice to finally be here. Yeah. There's actually a lot of time that I have to structure around sitting in different chairs in my house. So it takes up quite a lot of isolation thinking and trying to squeeze other stuff in and really dictate which chair I'm going to be sat in at any time is, is quite a lot of my schedule. So Yeah, I feel you. Moving from the bed to the couch right, and back again, like, yeah. ooh. Because also you don't want to do it too soon. You don't want to like peak too early in the day. You like make that transition early on. And what the hell are you doing for the rest of the day? So I guess I better move back now. So, yeah, you really want to break these things up. It's a, honestly, it's a lot to think about. Yeah. yeah. So Sarah Louise, and it, is it Sarah Louise or Sarah? It is Sarah Yes, Louise. Sarah is fine. Are you sure? Okay. Yeah. Um, so how have you been spending this amazing isolation time so far? <laughs> Well, I'm a freelancer, so I've been, I've still been working. Um, I've lost some work, but I still have quite a bit on. It's a really strange time to be working. Um, apart from that, I got into The Sims. I've never really played it before, but now I've played a, a lot. Um, <laughs> I have a Sim who has a Sim wife, and we have a Sim cat and a Sim dog. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I failed at baking banana bread, but I did make a really nice, like, just loaf of bread. So, yeah. Yeah. You're You're already doing more. You're going through the isolation tick box. Yeah, totally. Like, Sims, banana bread, baking, (laughs) um, all of the big ones, yeah. So, Sarah, you you said you you're still working, so you are a copywriter. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? What what kind of stuff do you write? Is it all over the place, or is there like kind of one industry you you work more in than others? Um, okay, so over my career, it's actually changed quite a bit. So when I say to people I'm a freelance writer, they're like, "Oh, wow!" And I'm like, "Oh, no, no, not that. I'm not cool." <laughs> like, <laughs> so I've written for the energy sector and for insurance sector. Um, but now I mostly do I only yeah I only work with small businesses uh, local businesses um, and they tend to be like so my biggest client at the moment is like a gift slash art shop um, which is actually just across the road from me um, but others have been like actually again wealth management which was a strange one because I was like they were like they tried to reduce my fee. But then they were talking about how they've saved people thousands and thousands of pounds. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> is there any like bit of copywriting you've done that has been like your favorite? I imagine like the art and gift shop would be have some fun, like creative stuff that you can do. Oh, yeah, that's incredible. It's all like Scottish art. So that's been great. Um, I used to work for a kilt makers um, where I did SEO and copywriting. And we wrote about so many things. We wrote about like um, Scottish history. Scottish landscapes. We had like four exclusive tartans and I wrote the backstories for all of them. Um, yeah, and that was fun because I mean it completely wasn't true, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> but I said that we were inspired by like we had one that was called Aaron, and then that was inspired by the Aaron landscapes, and it kind of was, but it was also just a really pretty name. Um, but being able to like weave these stories. Another thing that I did in that job was I spoke to people who'd visited Scotland and loved it about their their relationships with Scotland. So that that was that's probably the most fun job I've had. Oh, I love that. I've been to Scotland and loved it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I really love Scotland. <laughs> I'm I'm actually originally from Liverpool, which is why I've got such a strange accent. Ah, 
Yeah. How long have you been Scotlanding? 18 years now. Oh, that's quite a considerable period. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I moved here when I was 12. No, 13. So, books. You love memoir. Apart from today's choice, do you have any, like, top memoirs that you would recommend to people? Oh, yeah. Notes to Self by Emily Pine was a really beautiful read. Um, I think I have that on my shelf somewhere. It's really, really, like... I don't know. I could. I couldn't. I genuinely couldn't put it down. I remember even like hiding in the toilet to my old work. I mean, like, I'll just have a quick read. <laughs> <laughs> um, Any other mouth by An- Annalise McIntosh, and she's actually from Glasgow as well. I just picked that up in the library, and it blew me away. It was one that like a bit like this, where I'd recommend it to people and be like, "You have to read this book." And also, I am so sorry. It's like. It's- <laughs> It's so good, but it's so dark. Um, and I think it, it, it spoke about like a lot of, I think a, a lot of difficulties that teenage girls go through without ever speaking about it, even to each other. Um, and about a lot of the much darker sides of it and the situations that they, we let ourselves get into. Um, it just, I, I was reading it and I felt like seen and I also kind of wanted to hug her. And also wanted to reach out to every single one of my late women friends and say, oh my God, we had such a hard time. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I'm going to pick that one up for sure. It the was hard incredible. time doesn't sound amazing, just to clarify. No, like, hard the hard time, time <laughs> awful. Let's awful. Let's all reach out and cry together because life is shit. Yay. No. The hard times. I've never had one of those. Sounds interesting. No, it sounds like <laughs> it's a whole book about it. It's not very good. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Beck do you have any questions yeah are, are you how are, we were talking earlier Alison and I was saying it was struggling to read in lockdown life um yeah. are you are you reading at the moment or are you not reading or is there anything that you've sort of found helpful I am not reading at all like I I actually um I bought a load of books when this started and was like okay peak reading time this is yeah. how I'll get through this and I, I ordered them from local bookshops. So I was like, that ties in. I'm helping out local bookshops, blah, blah, blah. And they've arrived and they seem so good. Like, it's definitely not the book. I, I, I just cannot focus at all. And it's yeah. a shame because the escapism would be ideal right now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's a focus. And it is. And I, there's been a couple that I've tried to read and I'm like, I feel like this book is really good. Why am I not getting into it? Yeah. Like I can't, I seem to just be hating everything I'm reading and that can't be, I like books, so that's not a norm. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm literally like, oh my God, this is such a slug. Why is this so hard? Why am I not enjoying it? And I think it, like you said, I don't think it is the book. I think the, the books continue as books have done historically to be great, but there's a focus in my brain, which is just not quite connecting yeah. emotionally and intellectually in the same way that I normally would. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I find the same. And like, even with this book, because it's quite a, it's quite a, it could be quite a quick read. I know, Beck, you read it really fast. Yeah. uh, Because it's quite small. But it actually took me a while to read it. Um, Sorry, my dog is scratching at my door. (laughs) Oh, shush. Um, But yeah, it actually did take me a while to read it, not because it wasn't good, because it was. Um, But yeah, I just kept putting it down and being like, oh, because it's short. Like, yeah, that's fine. I'll get I'll yeah. get to it. It'll be such a quick one to finish. But it did take me a while. And then I cried. Um, I will get to that. <laughs> I do wonder um, in my 
continuing quest to uh, to segue into this question as seamlessly as possible. You said you ordered lots of books for the lockdown. Did you find they were more paperbacks or hardbacks? <laughs> so I've literally just been listening to your podcast an hour ago. <laughs> 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 and um, the episode I was listening to, you said paperbacks are really winning this season. And I'm really sorry, but it's paperbacks for me too. <laughs> Do you know what? I knew when we synchronised our clap that you were going to be on my team. I was like, she's totally on my team. We just like telepathically had it. Before you'd even said a word, it's like, we can clap together because we are bound together. Bound together. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Nice, yeah. nice. Like a paperback. We are yeah. bound together by something greater than, than all things. I, I like hardbacks aesthetically um if a book is only coming out in hardback and I really want to read it I will but then I kind of resent that I have a hardback kicking about because (laughs) paperbacks are just so much more comfortable to read that's pretty much all it is like it's just more comfortable to read them unless I guess it's a huge book but I don't tend to read those um I don't really have many like like 800 page books (laughs) very sensible (laughs) (laughs) So, team paperback, congrats, whatever, <laughs> I'm not mad. Wow, so, the, I feel like the entire, I, I, it's almost now, like, will the entire season be paperback, and that in itself <laughs> will be a thing, but whatever, it's fine. So, this book, An Exclusive Love, I had never heard of it, I don't think Beck had heard of it either, um, can you, I guess, tell us first, can you kind of give us your own kind of synopsis about, I mean, obviously it's a memoir, so it's a bit different, but do you want to kind of tell our listeners in your own words what uh, what this book is about? Yeah, of course. Um, so in the plainest terms, and again, I did, I did suggest this book before this all happened. So <laughs> just to this be clear, <laughs> I have the date stamp on the application. Yeah. I, can, I can vouch for that. You were just like, oh, Global apocalypse. I know what will cheer these guys up. <laughs> Whereas other people have done that, so you come off really well. Okay. <laughs> um, it's a book. It's a book about a girl whose grandparents had a double suicide pact, and it's her basically trying to work backwards throughout their life. I don't think to figure out why. I think the book explains why. To be honest. I think it's more understanding their bond and the trauma that they experienced together that meant that they, they they weren't just a married couple. They were completely tangled together. They were not just in love, they were part of each other. And their experiences were so both unique to them, but also not at all. It sounds bleak, and it is, but I also found it extremely heartfelt. Um, and I think it's the kind of thing that it makes it it drew a bigger picture than just that's how her grandparents died. It was a much bigger story, and I think that's what I loved about it was that it was very life affirming in the way that the whole life matters, and even though their early years of their relationship, which is still quite a long time, but for that age, the early years of their relationship were so traumatic and so incredible in such a horrible way that 
yeah, it all mattered to that point. And the way, even the way that they chose to do it, which was extremely peaceful and considerate of everybody else, showed who they were and who they have been. And uh, like, I don't know how much more we're going to go into it, but basically so much had happened out of their hands throughout their lives. This was the one thing that they could control. And it was almost like you could completely empathize. Like, I remember reading it and say, like, I remember hearing about the book on a YouTube video. And then reading it and having two very different feelings towards it. When I first heard about it, I thought this must have been so traumatic for the granddaughter. And when I read it, I thought, okay, fair. Like, I, there's, there's no argument against what they did because of who they were, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, it's about, it's about love and it's about, it's about, um, the Holocaust and it's about, Empathy, hugely about empathy. Yeah, um, it's quite an interesting book in the sense that the um, the big ending, like the climax, if this were a fiction book, being the suicide. You know, with you know before you've started. So yeah. in a weird way, it's kind of like you're you spend you spend the book getting to the end that you already know, and that's a really interesting way of yeah. writing a book because then, like exactly like you say. It kind of starts out being like, oh, well, this is a book about suicide, but you already know the big thing. You already know what's going to happen. You know where these characters are going to end up. And actually it becomes, this is a book about love and about history and about how people um, continue through through trauma and how love yeah. allows people to continue together. And actually the like suicide in a weird way is kind of not the big it's not the story the story isn't about the suicide the double suicide of these elderly of this elderly couple which in any other on any other planet if you were like oh god this elderly couple commit suicide together that would be the story but in this it's not really the story the story is about their their love and that finding peace and that journey they go through together and I love the grandmother she's just like I love how kind of like bullshit and just like here we go off we go this is what we're doing la di da like <laughs> yeah. I just I just found her such an endearing character and it was it didn't for me the, that journey of the characters becomes a story and makes the suicide less sad so when you got to that end bit exactly like you say it felt peaceful and mm. I felt at peace for them I didn't feel like oh my god two old people killed themselves the saddest thing on the planet like it didn't feel like that and that is I think what ends up being the story of this book rather than it being the story of a suicide. Yeah, I'd agree. When I finished it, I, I did cry. I mean, I cried throughout. I am a cryo, so like I did not stop. But I I felt like I, I almost like like exhaled, like it was just a okay. And it was like I don't it's, it's such a powerful book. I think I I also cried at the end, which was I was kind of expecting but also not because it's written in such a way and like I don't know if I I mean Beck said something like oh you know it's very like it's not super emotional or prosy and I'm like well she's German she's terrible. <laughs> but it's very sort of it's very efficient the way it's written it is yeah um so it's not flowery it's not flowery it's not crazy over romanticized it's very like she's she's fact hunting and you know finding out later on in like you know finding her bio she's a journalist fact, yeah 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 so she's written it 
as a journalist and of course as a granddaughter, but she's just curious about the inner lives of these people that she knew and and curious about the parts of their lives that she didn't know. Um, and so it's kind of like this, this, you're following a journalist and covering, you know, these, the lives of these two people and their relationship and all the things they've been through. But it's not written in a way that is tugging purposely on your heartstrings the whole time and trying to like build up to this massive kind of crescendo in the end. Oh no! It's, it's just very kind of matter of fact. And, and at times I thought that it, it was almost a bit it wasn't cold, but it felt like a bit cold considering yeah. it's like, these are your grandparents. These are like your family members. You grew up with them. Um, but then I found myself weeping at the end. Like I was texting back like, okay, now I'm like literally in tears. Like I was like choking up at a moment um, when they, when they dropped their dog off, I got it. Oh yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, oh God, the dog. Anything involving a dog will make me cry. But um <laughs> But yeah, when I kind of like got to that last page, I just started weeping. And it's, I guess, like she did a wonderful job of of painting the, the picture of these two people. And you just, you do feel like this, this exhalation for sure. But you just kind of had this understanding that it just made sense that that's why they did it. That they, yeah. they, like you said, their lives are so intertwined and so connected that it didn't make sense for one of them to carry on without the other. Yeah. And it was really beautiful. There's part of, you know, me that was like, oh, wow, like that's what, what an insane love. Like what a, totally what a, what an expression of love that you literally refuse to go on without the other person. And, and it's, it's incredibly romantic without being a romantic written book if that makes sense oh yeah like it's not it's not cheesy at all it, it is like it is a very it's very real um like I am I am a total sob and I mean was it last night or the night before I watched while you were sleeping which is like super cheesy and cried at it even though it's cheesy it's rubbish <laughs> <laughs> but it's also so like I'm definitely one for cheese but this an exclusive love. I think that's why it overwhelmed me a little because it was it was actually real. Um, like not only the story, but that that kind of love, like that that is what real love is, and that's a kind of love, which is why I guess it's called what it is. Isn't something that can happen to everyone, thank God. Um, because it was a love found in such horrendous circumstances. Yeah, it does make me wonder if you know. I think that's that there was a piece of uh, my hopeless romantic heart in the end that's like, oh, my God, I want to find a love that's like that. But <laughs> but at the same time, like, is that even possible in this day and age? Like, we're so easily distracted. We've got all these apps to find partners. And and it's a very different world than it was back then where you found someone you you married, you went through unimaginable times. Yeah, that that brought you together. You build a family and and you've got these these kind of black marks in your history that that you can share with that person but you couldn't imagine sharing that with somebody else um and i just wondered like is that even is that the way we even love anymore something like that it seems like there's so many stories of of couples from a different time that mm. that did like they would go through anything whereas now it seems like kind of culturally like the first blip and you're like, well, I know there's, you know, a thousand other people sitting on my phone just waiting <laughs> to match with me, uh, which I think is really sad. And I think it was it was nice to read about something a little more substantial than than the kind of love 
not that I did not binge watch Love is Blind and I'm obsessed with it, but like, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's something you don't see or hear about. And it's, it's nice to see that. And especially like, it's, like you said, it's a real story. It's not, it's not a, a fiction. Yeah. It's, it's real people and, and real emotion. And, and that, that's really moving, I think. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a level of devotion that you don't find now. And I, I do agree that that's quite sad, but I'm also quite glad of it in some ways because it's like, probably not for that couple because Jesus Christ, but it's a, it's one where you don't question it because this is what you do. You stay together. You fight through everything together. And I imagine a lot of people, a lot of people would have felt that, but it felt like with this couple, it was, it just was like it just, that that is how they work that is who they were from beginning to end to the point where they they really were two halves that made a whole which i usually hate but i loved it with them yeah it's true there's such a, a thing now you know we all want to be independent women or people and it's it's so much about like love is not about somebody else completing you it's it's about them kind of complimenting you and who you already are and you being like your whole on your own um so I totally agree with you it's one of those things where you feel like wow that's so lovely and then you feel a bit guilty for feeling that yeah. way it's, it's not it's not very feminist but yeah I think when it's something like this like I mean Beck I don't know what you think you're the you're the feminist babysitter <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, it, it made me think a lot of my grandparents' book. There's, um, a story or this, the story goes that when my grandfather died, he, he had a heart attack. They'd been at a party that evening and he didn't feel good. And he said, we should go home. And they called it a doctor friend. Um, and he knew he was having a heart attack and they called, um, the ambulance and the ambulance took him out on the stretcher and he turned to my grandmother and said um could you pop inside and get my glasses because I'm going to want to read in the hospital and she went inside to get his glasses and when she'd come back out he died and the story was that he knew in that moment that he was going to die and he didn't want her to be to watch him die he didn't want her to be there and so his last act was one of complete love for his wife that he'd been with for 50 something years um and as I was reading this I felt it reminded me of that so much your last act out of everything you'd been through like the war all of this stuff and they'd been together and supported each other through absolutely everything um and his last act was entirely for that person that he loved so much and it was in such again like it wasn't over dramatic he wasn't doing it was just like you go and get my glasses and it was like the most sort of simple gesture but it was all heart and so as I was reading this I felt it just made me think of that in exactly that same way of we have lived our whole lives together and the last thing that my life will be will be to love you and that really, I think, is the strength of this book. Like, it is sad. You're right. Like, it is sad. But I don't think giving it to someone and saying, read this, you should then have to say sorry because it's a bit dark. Because actually, <laughs> it's about... Like, that's beautiful to think that it someone's last act of life will be to love another person. Yeah. Like, that's, I think that's quite a beautiful sentiment. So that's what I thought, the end of my story. <laughs> yeah, thanks for making us both cry. Yeah, God, that was beautiful. Hell back. Yeah, well, I, you asked my opinion. <laughs> yeah. 
And here I was going to say, like, well, I had a Jewish grandfather. Well, <laughs> he didn't actually fight in the war. And I don't have a story like that to tell about it. But I think part of me, like, personally, just because I have a Jewish family and um, and though I wasn't raised Jewish, I've always had, like, a sort of it's this weird thing where like my mom went to Hebrew school. My mom was raised very, very Jewish, but she didn't practice as an adult, but we had Zadie and he would come and we, so we would have dreidels and he was like the most Jewish, like owned a tailoring shop in Spadina in Toronto, which is like the Jewish neighborhood and everyone is a tailor. And, and, uh, so he was kind of like a walking stereotype. I loved him very, very much. He always brought bagels and cream cheese and locks, and it was the best thing ever. Um, but I was always, I grew up very aware of the Holocaust. Like my mom kind of did, while she didn't raise us in the faith, um, she, she, it wasn't a secret that like, this is the history of, you know, our grandparents and our great grandparents and, and our family. So um, so I've always had a particular, I suppose, fascination with um, Jewish history and with particularly the Holocaust. And that's probably just also my own obsession with like the darkest parts of humanity. They're just like fascinating in a horrible way. So um, I don't know why I'm going on about this. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I think so. I It's not like I was excited to read it, but I, I there was a part of me that, you know, felt like reading something similar to, you know, something my great grandparents or grandparents will would have felt or or known at that time. So it's it's a weird thing when you're growing up, grandparents are just really, really old and they're mm. kind of scary and they're not people. Yeah. Like they do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I I definitely have like a an appreciation of my parents and an understanding of my parents because of when I was a teenager, you know, we started speaking as friends. But that grandparent grandchild thing sometimes seems a bit more distant and I don't think I I never got to have a really strong conversation with my grandfather because he died when I was about 13 um and yeah my living grandparents I don't have a I haven't had I haven't I don't know their history and I think it's I think a lot of people can relate to that that search for for answers I think more people should yeah you know search for for those answers like this is you have bits of history like if you're lucky enough still living in in your life and they can teach you so much and I think we don't ask yeah. enough or at least I know I don't so I think like that also kind of struck me with this book that she she was determined to know who they were as people uh even though she couldn't find that much to be honest like there were there weren't massive revelations throughout the book but no. I think it was lovely that she she just wanted to know who they were and I think more people should do that. I like so how um, the so yeah so there was a search to understand their histories, which was one thing. But then she, the way that she sort of imagined their last day, I think shows that she did know who they were. She knew who they were so ridiculously well, down to the minutest detail of how her grandfather would be sat in that chair and how her grandmother would sort of potter around and be like, oh, they yes, dear. Like, you sit there, I'll do it. Like, she knew them so well. And which records they would play. Yeah, like, it, like, so... And I think that was quite... I find that quite comforting. It's quite nice to think that, um, you know, if someone's lived... 7 60 70 80 90 years I mean if someone's lived 10 years you're not gonna you're never gonna know all every aspect of that period of time but it doesn't mean that you don't know that person 
you know it's like you can know the person inside and out you just might not know every aspect of their history you might not Mm. be able to entirely understand the things that have made them that way but it doesn't mean that you don't know them. And I liked, I liked that in the book because I think often we do think, oh, you know, I didn't really know my grandparents or like they're still, but we never really talk about this stuff and this stuff. But, but you probably know them really fucking well. And, and we forget that. Often we think that the knowing someone comes down to the minute details of their life and not actually about the person that they are every mm-hmm. day. And I liked how she brought those things together. I did a thing um, a couple of weeks ago. So with this lockdown, myself and my sisters, we are locked down, but my mum is a care worker. So she's still working and she has separated herself from my sisters so that she can basically, just so she's limiting how many people she's around, she goes to work and she goes back to her partners and then she doesn't interact with anyone else. And it's been really difficult for us, obviously. I mean, all of this is difficult for everyone. But I said to mum, a really nice thing for you to do over the next coming weeks to sort of ground yourself and remind yourself that we're here and we're listening is tell us stories about our family. Like just any family history, like funny ones, uh, not so funny ones, anything at all. And I was excited even at the prospect. And one of the things that she, she told me, actually not in the last couple of weeks, but a couple of years ago, um, my, my nan died and she, she was actually my best friend and I was devastated and I, I, I'd, I've never really recovered from it and neither has my granddad. But then she told me one day, we were just talking about like a holiday we went on and she said, and as you know, your nan hated water and couldn't swim. And I was like, I didn't know that. And she was like, what? No, you must have known that. I was like, no, thank you. I didn't know that one. And so like, your history is in other people too. And like, the people we lose is in other people as well and I kind of felt that in the book as well like their story has absolutely lived on like the book wasn't as far as I know a bestseller or anything but like anyone who has read it won't forget that story and you're right like the little things that make up who you are like my one of the things I always said about my nan was that she really did not live an extraordinary life like she was working class from Liverpool she had four kids and then a lot of grandkids, like Irish Catholic family, so many grandkids. Um, <laughs> and her whole life was just about looking after family. And so on paper, it's not really that extraordinary. But to us, she was, and anything about her is like, he's just painting a bigger picture of who she was rather than, you know, telling me some like fascinating stories about big travels that she had. She didn't. I love that. That's actually a really lovely way to to think about it but yeah maybe my granddad's history is not about exactly what he did in the war it's that he always bought toys when they were on sale and so when he showed up he had a trunk full his the whole boot of his car was just full of random stuff and we would go and pick pick something that he was always thinking of us or or the bagels and lox and cream cheese that he brought every time oh. so that we could all share that together that's a really lovely thought so thank you both for bringing me back down to earth <laughs> emotional and shit yeah well even now though as well like I think especially now when we're all so separated um from each other and you know we can't you know we we obviously we often take for granted really simple things like just hanging out or going for a drink or doing whatever and all of that sort of stuff um and you you it's nice to remember in these moments where we don't have that that the value of our friendships and the value of our relationships are not those things it's not the things that we 
do in like active practical ways it's the people that we are to each other um yeah. and that's how we still manage to you know get through this and, and be together and, and have friendships and have loves and all of that sort of stuff because that's the thing that matters if it was all of the material practical sort of I did this in 1972 then <laughs> we we wouldn't still have these relationships at the end of this you know separation but the fact that we continue through separation is because we all kind of we still exist in each other's hearts <laughs> oh wow <laughs> woo yeah. Well, that's all for today, folks. She's <laughs> like cheesy. I'm just trying to <laughs> bring it all back. <laughs> we all like cheesy. Um, so you said you found this book through a YouTube video. Can you tell us more about that? How did you discover it? Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, so my favorite YouTuber is uh, Lena Norms. And she she solely, not solely, she mostly speaks about books. Um, and she did one on her favorite translated books and I when I watched it I was like I actually don't know if I've ever read a translated book and if I have I've not acknowledged the fact that it was translated and somebody put the work in to do this um and she kind of emphasized in that video the importance of that too and how like they matter just as much as the author like because they're bringing that story to you um and she she recommended a bunch and basically whenever I watch her videos I always end up adding more and more to my Amazon wish list. Um, <laughs> and I'm just trying to slowly work through them. Um, but this one I put on and my little sister bought me it for Christmas. I do find, we should maybe say that this is translated by Anthea Bell. Um, I find, I, I'm genuine, generally fascinated by language and the sort of etymology of language and how it, it, it where it comes from, how it grows, how it changes. Um, so I'm always really interested in translation and how the the meaning of something translates as well as the actual words, because often it from one language to the next, there aren't the words. I mean, especially yeah. in German, like, <laughs> they just put words together and they're like this is a whole new word now like they're often on the words to translate that meaning um and so how does that influence the book how does it change the book how does it change the language and the person translating it has such a responsibility not only to the original text but also to translate the feeling and the meaning of that text um because yeah. you could go through and literally change every single word for the word but it, like that's not the same as translating the the text and the meaning of it um yeah, so I do find it nuance. yeah it's 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 such an interesting way of um looking at looking at language and looking at prose I think especially as well in I've read a lot of translated poetry and I always find that because poetry is so particular about how it's using language and how it's using a single word and the rhythms of the word and all that sort of stuff so I'm always really fascinated how when you translate that into something else you potentially could completely change the the meaning or the framing or the inclination of of that sentence of that paragraph of the whole narrative of something totally so I mean I think it it goes without saying it sounds like you've recommended this book to a lot of people and apologized for that, which <laughs> Beck has scolded you on yeah, and says you yeah, should stop doing. Um, but do you think you can tell us who you would recommend this book to and why? Yeah. Um, well, anyone who enjoys memoirs, 
this is actually my gateway to memoirs. This is I I started reading a lot because of this. Um, I in the past I'd read autobiography celebrity autobiographies and I just didn't like them. And for some reason in my mind I was like, well, I don't like celebrity autobiographies, therefore I don't like memoir. Wrong, so wrong, so very very different things. <laughs> um, to anyone who enjoys memoir, I think like I do think anyone who's been really like impacted by the loss of a family member especially a grandparent um because i i personally loved it because of that but like going from this conversation it seems like it could be quite a universal thing to get your get your head around the these people that you loved that that had a whole life before you even existed um and i think anyone who is quite Sentimental. I do think it's a really sentimental book without being oppressively so. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head with that one for sure. <laughs> um, so did you do you have a little passage or a quote that you that kind of stuck out with you from this this book? Um, I do. I have one that I think is a good indicator of the tone of it. Um, and yeah, I do have one. Perfect. As she waits for the coffee to run through the machine. She makes notes of things to do on her spiral bound pad. Cancel a newspaper, she writes. Get the roses ready for winter. She isn't wearing glasses. She doesn't need them, even at the age of 71. And she's very proud of the fact. A cigarette glow glows in the ashtray on the table in front of her. It crackles faintly as the glow eats its way further into the paper. My grandmother writes, Mitzi. When she puts the pen down, a little ink drops off the nib spreads into a blue mark on the paper and makes the word Mitzi invisible. Never mind, she's not going to forget about Mitzi. Over the last few days, she has gone over her list so often that she can recite the items on it by heart anyway. She switches on the radio, small, portable plastic set sitting beside the toast. The music is something by Bach. It's Sunday after all. Yeah, that was a good quote. Yeah, that list. Oh, that list. Yeah. That just matter of fact. Tick, this tick, time tick. we do this, this time we yeah. do this, this time we do this, and this time we say goodbye. It's just, ooh, goosebumps. Well, um, Sarah, thank you for sharing this book with us. It's it's a beautiful book. I absolutely loved it. And, and like you said, it's one of those ones that does stick with you and I think will stick with me for a very long time. And, and I've already recommended it to others. So I'm so glad. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a... It's a sad little number, but I think, like you said, it is, there's, it's about love. And that is a lovely thing. <laughs> love is a lovely thing. <laughs> Let's all just take a moment to think how lovely love is. All right. Well, I think we will leave it there before I say anything else that sounds like it should have been written in a Hallmark card. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Thank it's, you. Yeah, it's, it's been so lovely. Such a nice break up to isolation day as well. I quite enjoy Yay. this little segue into doing and feeling purpose. <laughs> yeah, totally. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, get in touch with us at yaopod.com. There's a little form you can fill out. We would love to talk to you about a book that's made an impact. One of the best ways you can help us out is to uh, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on uh, on whatever podcast app you use. Um, it really helps other people find the podcast. And, uh, you know, maybe 
this is uh, the time that people need them more than ever. So we would appreciate that. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at YowPod. Um, and join our Facebook group where we uh, chat all things books. Uh, and last but not least, if you would like to support us financially and get some fun little perks for yourself, uh, extra content, bookmarks, badges, all sorts. Um, do find us on Patreon. You can donate as much or as little as you want to kind of help us keep coming out with content. Uh, that's patreon.com slash yowpod. And we really look forward to seeing you again in a couple weeks time. Everybody stay safe, stay home, uh, and be well. Your Own Words is hosted by Alison Dunnings and Becky Graham. It is recorded in London at the Pitch Room in Runway East, Soho. Theme song by Natasha Pasternak. Read along with us at yowpod.com. <laughs>